Now then, without uh, going all Shakespeare on us, to be or not to be, that is the question. To Beijing or not to Beijing, that is the title of this episode. Not quite uh, your typical Stratford-upon-Avon playwright, uh, but perhaps Shakespeare has played a part in writing what could be history in whether NHL allows players, whether players opt to play in the Olympics. Seems to be a hot topic uh, uh, in the last couple of weeks. Many more things have come to light. If you're just catching up on what does this mean for your team? What does it mean for you as a fan? What does this mean for your club, for the league? Let's kind of debate some of those issues. And we look to uh, West Coast Canada, Canucks. What are they doing there? What is that magic recipe that allows the team to go from the bottom to the top to live in the dream all over again? We'll pick apart the crazy week that has been for the Canucks and talk taxi. Welcome to NHL fans from afar. I'm Jolon. Uh, I'm Claire, by the way. If you're new to the podcast, hello. This is a crazy podcast for people who also like watching ice hockey, possibly in their bedrooms, on their own, in the middle of the night. Jolon's with uh, me today. Jolon, I have to firstly say thanks uh, for you and Matt holding the fort, obviously, last time. But what? my favourite part of last week's, uh, last time's episode, <laughs> you, you said, imagine if you had to... Uh, explain to an alien how fighting works in ice hockey that was by far my favorite part of the whole episode like it's so true how stupid it is and it's only because that and i did think about that after after we'd finished recording and we we talked about it um offline as well and we were saying how i you must get this as well when when people say when kind of casual hockey fans or no people who kind of don't really follow hockey but know it exists kind of think it it's it's only a sport of fighting essentially or, or that's the main kind of part of the sport and yeah. it plays such a small tiny part of any hockey game nowadays particularly in the nhl and yet as part of its brand is still such a um a huge aspect and one of the things i wanted to talk about tonight actually where we'll come on to it a little bit later was the whole john tortorella talking about um uh, whether that kind of wonder goal in anaheim was a good thing for the sport or not and it kind of ties into that. It's like the, the kind of John Tortorella idea of what hockey is, is this kind of like bang, crash, tough kind of code game that um, has been around for so long that has its reputation. And yet hockey kind of isn't that anymore. And it is about mm. um, skill and it is about players who can flip a puck over the back of the net and hit it out of the sky into the back of the net and all of this kind of stuff. And actually that is what hockey is most of the time when we watch it. And yet it still has this kind of weird reputation of being this kind of, you know, old fashioned game. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Uh, yeah, I'm intrigued. So John Tortorello, by the way, is a, is a former coach of the NHL, yes. many Stanley Cups. Is he now working as like a, a pundit yeah. or whatever they call the equivalent in the N- yeah, NHL? He's, he's like an in-studio analyst. Or uh-huh. like that. And he's got some very interesting views and he's a very interesting character. Um, but he had a particular take uh, last week, I think it was, where um, he kind of, he basically 
kind of came at there uh, came at one of these goals that went in which everyone was kind of going oh my god isn't that amazing and his view was well actually if, if somebody on my team had scored that I'd have had a word with him and said it isn't right anyway we'll come on to that later I mean that's what's really crazy isn't it about this yeah. as a sport I mean I I also just think how quickly the sport changes as well because you know it's been a month since I've been on the podcast and we were talking about some of the crazy um, streaks that are out there. I mean, even just looking at people like Nashville Predators at the moment who have been down and out, they're on a five-game win streak at the moment, yet we're seeing Colorado. Where's Craig, who's on me on the podcast? Interesting. Uh, mm. He's he's back on a, a, a four-win streak, although they've had a whole bunch of other things going on with injuries and COVID yeah. and all kinds of things. Pittsburgh are back uh, sorting themselves out. That seems like that buyout must have helped because they're on a four-game uh, win streak. And Edmonton have gone from hero to zero and now they're on a five-game losing streak. So I find it fascinating how quickly things go up and down. I mean, Montreal and Arizona, it just continues there. I mean, the one thing is that Buffalo isn't the bottom of the league, which, you know, you would have thought by this point, or maybe they're just working their way down there. Is that how you like to say it? And one story that kind of um, came around, and maybe we'll mention it a little bit later, is that the Arizona uh, Coyotes essentially were told that they need to pay their bills for their, otherwise they wouldn't be allowed to skate in their arena. Yeah. the, The city of Arizona is kind of saying to the Coyotes, pay up or get out. And we already know that the Coyotes aren't going to be in that arena at the end of this season. They've already cut their ties with them. Um, but a really and a real weird defense of not weird defense is very much on point, but a, a defense from the league commissioner Gary Bettman of the Arizona Coyote situation there, basically saying there's no problem, don't look here, don't worry, it's all fine. Um, and people in the, the city of Arizona saying, Well, actually, no, you owe us quite a lot of money. Um, so yeah, there's some real kind of it's it's been a it's been a season where it, it kind of has up to this point felt like it's gone back to a little bit of normality, and yet we seem to be getting all of the kind of other hockey news crammed into a season, which you know maybe some of these stories would have been spread over the last few years, but it seems to be all condensing into a you know what's been a pretty crazy autumn for the league. I think like the man who you know seems to be crazy busy, which if you only follow this league a bit kind of on the periphery, Gary Bettman is a name that you learn to pick <laughs> up very quickly. He is the league commissioner. He seems to be here to stick around. He's been here forever, let's be honest. And I guess in that man has been pretty busy this week. Um, I mean, we're going to get into things about what do the Olympics mean? Why is it all come to fruition at the moment? Um, some of the deadlines that are out there, what the, what the league has said about it, what the players have said about it. Uh, we'll get into that. Um, the impact that COVID is having on the league. Unfortunately, we have to bring back the C word and it's not Christmas. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, the, you know, a couple of questions are banding around at the moment. Should the NHL bring back a taxi squad? We'll explain what that is, where it's been used before. And also wonder why haven't they said anything about that this season? And I guess the other question a lot of people are asking, it's after we heard um, by a, another podcast with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Marrick, who were talking about the Olympics and um, Elliot Friedman, one of the insiders at Sportsnet said he'd spoken to a GM who actually said, you know, he used the word selfish. A player could be selfish for wanting to go to the Olympics right now. So are players selfish if they want to go to the Olympics? These are some of the things we'll discuss. Um, So, I mean, 
Let's say, yeah, I was going to say, should we set the stall on that? Because, I mean, uh, the, to people following kind of the NHL and not being across the whole Olympic yeah. thing, I, w- I wouldn't blame you because it's yeah. a bit of an odd concept to, to sports fans over here. But what does the, it mean for me is what I'm yeah. thinking. So essentially, the, the NHL has this kind of weird relationship with the IHHF who kind of, you know, work with the Olympics um, on the Winter Olympics. And obviously the Canadian and, and USA and Russia and Swedish, those kind of hockey teams obviously benefit greatly when the NHL allows its players to go and play in the Olympics because, well, you know, if I'm Team USA, then I look a lot better with Austin Matthews. And, you know, if I'm Team Canada, I look a lot better with Conor McDavid and Sidney Crosby, for example, to name two. So, but it's not always a done deal. And it's not always been the case because for obvious reasons, the NHL doesn't particularly like its players disappearing off to the Winter Olympics because for obvious reasons, there are risks attached to that. Famously, years ago at one of the Winter Olympics, John Tavares went and uh, basically blew his knee, I think it was, in either the first game or a warm-up game and was out for a very long time. Now, if you're the New York Islanders, that's your captain and your franchise player has essentially been wiped out in a game that meant nothing to you as an organisation. But of course, the flip side to that is the players really want to play in the Olympics because it's the chance they get to represent their country. And it's a chance that they get to win an Olympic gold medal. And, you know, uh, in, in Canada and North America, there are the kind of, it goes in folklore as to when, you know, Team Canada wins the gold medal game against, uh, you know, oh, the USA. Stops, yeah, they, yeah. When, you know, when they won it in Vancouver uh, yeah. against the States and they won in, in overtime and Crosby, you know, sc- scores the game winner, I think it was. And, you know, that is one of those kind of moments in, in a player's career that is just the, probably the pinnacle along with winning the Stanley Cup. So it's a real kind of conflict between, you know, the business side of hockey and what the players want from it. But, the players didn't get to go last time round, and they managed to negotiate in their in the collective bargain agreement that they had during COVID that essentially the league would let them go to this Olympics. So it's it's kind of their contractual right that they are able to go. And this is one of the things that Gary Bettman has been very kind of, he's never really come out and said, we're not going to let the players go because he knows that actually they can't because they've, they've agreed to it essentially in, in a contract. And so now you've got, so, so that's all great. Players are all happy. They're going to the Olympics and they get to go. It's happening in February um, in Beijing and the schedule is kind of built around it. So there's going to be a three week gap in the NHL schedule when um, a lot of NHL players are going to be disappearing to Beijing to play in the Olympics. All great. Of course, now COVID starts not that it ever went away, but it starts to kind of build up and up and up again. And, and talk of quarantines and um, China has announced that basically if you get COVID while you're at the Olympics, you're going to have to isolate for three to five weeks, which of course, if you think the Olympics is a three week long tournament and you know, that it's not, it's not unimaginable that we could be seeing a Canada USA final. So that means they'll kind of be right at the end of the tournament and you could have Crosby and um, McDavid and Matthews and all these kind of players playing in the gold medal match. And let's say, heaven forbid, that COVID catches a few of them during that final weeks. You could be looking at three to four weeks to five weeks even after the Olympics. You have got those players sitting in a hotel in Beijing, unable to come back home and unable to play for their teams in the run into the playoffs. 
I mean, as a fan, that is terrifying. Suddenly, yeah. I've gone from cheering on Jack Campbell to get onto Team USA to thinking, my God, I hope Jack Campbell doesn't get onto Team USA because that's our goaltender you're taking away from us. Like, yeah. which is such a sad situation to be in because it was going to be such a fun thing to watch as a fan. Like, how great is it to watch a line of Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, Mitch Marner, like all these players playing on the same team. It's like, it's, it's fantasy hockey. Like, it's how much fun is that? And yet COVID has just come along and ruined it, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah, and I think we're already kind of, I think the NHL is basically, there's this date, January the 10th, yeah. where the NHL has until January the 10th to kind of pull out of the tournament without any financial penalty. So there's this kind of um and ah and at the moment. And it's interesting, you know, reporters are asking in their post-games um, interviews with some of the players, like mm. Austin Matthews and John Tavares in, in some of their... I, I don't think it was post-game, actually. I think it was maybe practices. Mm. Reporters are saying, what are you, what are you thinking about... Um, the Olympics, because they're obviously players who are going to be earmarked for USA or or, or Canada or or whatever, right? These guys, you know, who are getting interviewed. And a lot of them are saying there's a lot of questions that still need answering. And we have also had some people like Robin Leder, who was uh, probably going to be selected for um, Sweden, for his home home country, Mm -hmm. who just came outright and said, I'm not doing it. I can't cope with any more quarantine. And he has history with that. When he was in the bubble with Vegas a couple of seasons ago, he said that, you know, he was very outspoken, that that was not great for him mental health wise. So I think, um, but this idea about this idea of, you know, are players selfish if they do it? Because I think the league is playing, the NHL is playing a very clever game here because they are washing their hands a bit. They said, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, you go, you go. Don't worry about it. I'll be fine. I'll, we'll be fine. You go, go on. And then when it all goes tits up, they will, they, you know, they can say, well, you know, we, we told the players it was up to them and they yeah. decided. So it's a very clever business game. I think yeah. there's the business of this, but there's also the personal mental health. And I've got to say, personally, you know, we've all kind of experienced lockdown in different ways. But lockdown in a different country where you don't speak the language, potentially you could be there for up to 10 weeks and you've got to trust the Chinese authorities. I'm not sure. And, you know, a lot of reports say this is kind of worked in writing now, but that could change because the Chinese authorities have overall say you're in someone else's country. There's even some kind of talk there, wasn't there, around depending on how your country is doing diplomatically with yeah. China could mean how you're treated. So would I want to put my life in the hands of that? You're talking politics here, not sport. It's a very different thing. So, But the flip side to that is the likes of Stephen Stamkos, John Tavares, those kind of players know that this Sidney Crosby, know that this is the last chance they're going to get. They're not going to get to play in another Olympics. And they are going to they have one chance here to play in an Olympics for their country. And I think the thing that we've always got to remember with these, with these people and, and where I always have to kind of catch myself thinking that I'm, I'm nothing like them is that these are, these are insanely driven individuals who, or athletes who are, um, who are different, who are made up differently 
to to most people to to be able to get to where they are and i think the mindset for a lot of them will be that kind of based on winning think of the kind of think of the kind of way that they put their bodies through injuries and the way that they put themselves through playing with a broken rib during the stanley cup playoffs because they are playing to win the stanley cup and that is the absolute number one most important thing now, I'm not saying this is a healthy way of dealing with things, but by the way, but I, yeah, that is the attitude of some of the players. Now, there are going to be some, and Robin Leonard has come out and said that. Alex Petrangelo is another one who said that he's got real question marks over it, and that's a big one because he was one of, um, I think it was Canada's um, kind of, you know, key pieces or one of the three that they named publicly as part of their squad. So there are already players. The issue is going to be that this is probably going to split opinion. And there are going to be players who just want to go, doesn't matter, I'm going. And there are going to be players who go, hang on a minute, I'm not so sure about this. Where it's going to get really messy is if you've got half of the players who are going to go and half of them who don't. Because that's when the narrative of, well, these ones are selfish, these ones are not thinking of their team because they've gone to the Olympics or you know, others have now taken a three-week break, essentially, and now are fresh, ready to go for the playoffs. And... It, that is going to get horribly messy. Uh, you imagine the group chats that must be going oh, on WhatsApp right now. And and sadly, and this is the real kind of shame of it all, is this, this is only affecting the top 5% or the top 1% of the players. Like this is only affecting the, the kind of the elite players really. And, um, you know, okay, there are others as well who will be going for some other countries. But this is a small number, but a very high profile number. And there's also another there's another wrinkle to this, which which kind of was explained to me the other day about how essentially if you if you do get stuck there. So if you have to quarantine after the Olympics and you then end up missing games on the way back because you're quarantining, the NHL aren't paying you like you Ah, are you are forfeiting your contract a five million dollar fund which is all well and good the iihf iihf which is all well and good but i'm pretty sure that fund will go pretty quickly if conor mcdavid Sidney crosby (laughs) and the like are all quarantining in a hotel in beijing because that fund ain't gonna last for three to four weeks because think of the number of games that the nhl is having to cram in to have a three-week gap in its schedule so they are going to be missing time and a lot of games and therefore they are going to be missing um you know chunks of their salary and you know i can't remember who somebody worked out that essentially to a kind of all these players are earning like six or seven million if the if you're an olympic roster and it's essentially forfeiting about a million a million and a quarter dollars just like that and but as you say it's not so much about the money i mean i it's, it's my... not, but players are willing to put their, you know, players are willing to hold out on contracts for money. Like yeah. William Nylander was willing to miss half a season of NHL hockey to get. Well, that's granted, interesting that you right say about that, money, but... because if it was your contract year as a player, you might not want to kind of go to the Olympics if no. that, because that could affect your contract negotiations. Or... Or yeah. would you want to go to the Olympics because you could score the goal, the the gold medal game winner, and go down in history mm. and use that as your negotiation when you, you know? I don't know. I, do you know what? If I put my fan hat on, right? Yeah. So we, 
you know, disclosure alert here, people. Yes, we are Toronto Maple Leafs fans. It's okay for Rare, us to admit actually, that Not right now. Around. Yeah, yeah. Normally we don't want to admit that, you know. <laughs> but um, the, the the thing that I, I find about um, this as a Toronto fan is, I mean, I know we've been here before, but we're on a brilliant run right now. <laughs> and um, for... Toronto to have a brilliant chance at winning the Stanley Cup, we need Tavares, we need Austin Matthews, whoever else will end up being, you know, whether Mitch Marner or other people. Mitch Marner, Morgan Riley, Jack Campbell. Exactly right. We need those people in the country playing (laughs) games, not missing any games. I, as a fan, will be... I, I do consider it as a fan that it is selfish if they choose to go to the Olympics and potentially ruin our chance at even getting through first round of the playoffs. Because in my head, as a hockey fan, and I think mostly as players, in terms of legacy, the Stanley Cup matters more than any Olympic medal. It's what gets you in the Hall of Fame. Like, great. So if they retire in four or five years and they've got a gold medal from the Olympics, so what? Oh, see, I don't think people see it like that. I don't think people see it like that. Mm. I get, I get that, and I'm really conflicted because, as a as a Maple Leafs fan, I would love them not to go. You know the the uh, you know, the anxiety level just goes up thinking of Austin Matthews being out for three weeks because he's stuck in Beijing and he's getting rusty in that time, and the team need him. All of that kind of stuff is horrific. But at the same time, I want to watch Nathan McKinnon be centred with a line of Conor McDavid and have Mitch Marner on his wing. Like, I want to see what that looks like. Like, And I want to watch that. And there is a chance of being able to watch that. And I don't want that to be taken away. (laughs) I want both things, Claire. I want both things. I'm the kid at Christmas who wants everything. I need to to make a commitment then to get excited by the Olympics. Well, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because I genuinely don't think it's going to happen. Oh, well, like, you know, I'm used to disappointment. Yeah. I'm a Leafs fan, for God's yeah, sake. True. I yeah, can handle true. it. Yeah. I'm all about hope. But that's the thing. I I, I, I have I just never understand, ne- never understood the Olympics love. I've never understood it. And I'll tell you, the other thing that I don't get really excited about is the All-Stars game, which is no. something which... It's yeah. also creeping into this situation. I guess yeah, we beginning should kind of, of explain it. Yeah. So, you know, the NHL is looking at this break um, for the Olympics, but it's also thinking before that they would have this thing called the All-Star Game. Whoa, it feels like a while since we've had one of those guys. That's... If you're new, then you probably won't know. But some, you know, a, a like kind of club in the NHL hosts for a weekend and there are so many players from each team that come along as like the super players representing their club. And it's a bit like fantasy hockey, which is what Jonan was saying, mm-hmm. like for the Olympics. This year, it, or sorry, in February, it is due to be held in Vegas. But there are rumours that not everyone's so happy about that because it be, could be a super spreader event. And then if some of the, those players who get selected then need to go to China, but then they're in Vegas at a super spreader event, then get COVID, then they can't go to the Olympics and they can't play. Oh, and the other thing oh, is, man. you know, the league is also thinking, I know what we can do whilst uh, some of the guys are out at the Olympics, this little break, maybe we can squeeze a few of these rescheduled games in. Well, of course, what we're seeing in the last week, in the last two, three hours as we record this podcast, there are games being cancelled left, right and centre. 
I mean, Flames have cancelled uh, what postponed three games. Yeah. In the last couple of hours, we've seen hurricanes in Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, I was reading somewhere that there's 123 players, not staff, so 123 players have entered COVID-19 protocols at some point this season. Um, in, that's forced three outbreaks. Uh, three outbreaks have forced the postponement of games. Uh, approximately 17% of the league has been impacted. And that is a league that is 99.9% fully vaccinated. So, you know, I think it's, I mean, I know it's strange times because if you look at in the world at the moment, you know, you're talking about like uh, Manchester United, um, they're, they've postponed games, haven't they? You've got 42 players and staff in the Premier League who are testing positive. You've got uh, Emma Watsachops, the famous young tennis player. Um, oh, Radicanu, yeah. Who's tested positive, showing symptoms, so it might balls up her Australian Open. It is a, a worldwide, sport-wide problem, which is why we kind of threw up the idea about are they going to bring back the taxi squad? Because if they can bring back the taxi squad, which will explain what it is in a second, does that solve the problem about where you put these postponed games and you can keep playing and keep things moving? Because this idea that it seems to be there is a lack of any kind of strategy that has been publicly announced anyway by the NHL of what if we enter a really bad situation of COVID-19 spells? Nowhere has anyone said anything. It seems like hope is a strategy that, oh, yeah, we hope we'll be fine for the three-week break in February. We hope we'll finish the you know regular season on time. We hope we will get the playoffs underway by May. It's absolute ball poo. But I think uh, I there are elements of what you just said there I agree with, but there I think there is also a, a, a case of we do have a lot of these plans like the taxi squad and things like that and condensed schedules and all of those kind of things which we've had to do over the last couple of years and, and bubbles and all that kind of stuff which we could you know bring them out again and do them again so they're not going to be having to make up from scratch you know how to get through this because they have proven that they can do it both in a shortened season and then also in a bubble playoff format and with taxi squads and all this kind of stuff. So I think that probably the plans are there and I'm pretty sure that the NHL are, you know, I'm sure they have many different kind of plans and how they're going to do it. They're just not making them public because they don't want to commit to any of them yet because it's, it is a bit of an unknown like this without getting into the kind of signs of COVID, but this whole, you know, this whole wave of COVID that we're experiencing now, it is an unknown in terms of how badly it's going to affect us all. It's obviously spreading very fast, but as of at the time of this recording, and this could age very badly, but it is not, you know, it is not killing people at the same rate that it was before. Now, it doesn't mean we don't take it seriously. It doesn't mean we don't take, do the mitigation and do the things to make sure that that remains the case. But it is, it is possible that in a month's time, I don't want to say this is just blown over, but in a month's time, we might be in a very different position where we're looking at that going, Whoa, that, that had potential to be bad, but actually it, it hasn't had the impact that we thought. And then we just kind of, we carry on. Maybe it's enough to put the Olympics off, in which case you've got three weeks there to play these games that have run out of, um, that have had to be postponed and cancelled and all that kind of stuff. And then we are on track and we are okay and we didn't need a taxi squad and all this kind of stuff. 
But of course, the, the alternative is true and probably is more likely that we do need a taxi squad and that we are going to start losing more games to, um, to COVID and postponements. But I, I do think that the, um, the attempt by the league to carry on as much as normal at this stage is a bit like what we've what all of society has tried to do because I think there is a real there's real COVID fatigue and there's real restriction fatigue and I think you know people know that there's there's only so much you can make people do and if you go too early you risk the it's easy for us to say that though Jolon because Toronto hasn't really been too affected by COVID, but if you were a team that was yeah. quite affected, I think that you could potentially be feeling a little bit different. But what, I mean, I, I you know, the taxi squad, for example, is something that you could bring in and you could bring in with relative ease. You could say from January the 1st, you could have a taxi squad or from December, whatever. But that has an that does have an impact though. That has an impact on players yeah. because essentially yeah. what you're doing. So to explain what the taxi squad was last season, they had a way because of the way that the complex way that the the squads and the the rosters work in the NHL. The NHL knew that they were going to lose people through COVID and people were going to have to isolate. So what they did was they created, they essentially said, well, all teams can carry X number of players. I can't remember what it was, like three or four extra players in their taxi squad. They travelled with the team, they trained with the team. And essentially, if you lost players from your main roster, you could just put those in and they can then help you through that position to hopefully mitigate the amount of games that were lost through um, COVID. Now, that's, that's fine, but the the knock-on effect of that is obviously you're most likely going to put your best players or your best players who were outside of the roster on that taxi squad. But then those players aren't playing hockey. Like they aren't playing for their AHL teams, the teams in the lower divisions. They aren't playing any kind of hockey other than practice. And there's still kinds of complicated things with the taxi squad about waivers and clearing that. And that was all all complicated too. But, But it's not a... It, it, it's not a zero impact policy bringing it in because you do then have a bunch of young players and other players who should be getting better in the AHL and getting match experience who are basically then just sitting, waiting to play and they might not play. And so I think that's probably why there's a bit of a reluctance to bring it in um, too early. Um, but I didn't realise as well that um, in the AHL, all players have to be vaccinated. And that means that then you mm. don't, because so many players are moving up and down between these two top leagues, that that kind of just means it, it's much easier. Um, I, I hadn't even thought about vaccination rates for the No, for the and the, tr- the trouble is vaccination, as as has been proven, a vaccination doesn't stop you getting it. No. Like, it, 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 you know, people who are vaccinated are getting it. Look at the NHL, for example, has got literally all but one player, I think, is vaccinated. And yet there are plenty of people who are getting it. Um, it's all about how how bad the impact is of it. And that's what the vaccinations are doing. So, so the idea of the NHL being a fully vaccinated league is obviously a good thing in terms of those players are better protected. But it doesn't mean to say that the 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 virus can't spread through a, a locker room and I'm just not sure how how much there is they can do about it really there's not there doesn't seem to be much other than playing in a bubble like they did in Edmonton and Toronto back in 20 whatever it was um 
other than doing that, which is completely unrealistic for any long period of time, nothing has been effective in stopping transmission. So I think uh, what I've also kind of been, uh, I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, in every kind of downturn, financial recession, hmm. you know, pandemic, there are always winners, hmm. you know? And I was kind of thinking, who are the people who've had that long awaited opportunity? who have got, you know, the chance to shine to really kind of improve their chances of their contract year because of COVID, because like, you know, a top player has had to sit out and they've had the chance to kind of show the coach what they're, pe- you know, possible that I, I, you know, I can't think of anyone to, uh, sure. to hand, not- but, but that's because again, we watch a lot of Leafs games and we haven't really been impacted in the same way that other teams have. But you could um, say the same, it was through injuries. Like, I mean, that's essentially yes. what happens with injuries, isn't it? Yeah, I, I yeah. think the the impact on young players coming through the system, I think has been overall a negative because of the fact that their leagues and their their teams haven't been playing hockey or haven't been playing as much hockey as they would have done under normal circumstances. And, you know, remember the, the, remember the last draft where essentially nobody knew what anyone could do because they hadn't been playing hockey for 18 months. Like... It's had a real impact on that kind of generation of players coming through. Plus, the other problem is, of course, is financially, the league is in a very uh, or a far more tight position financially. So, of course, the salary cap's not going up. So, therefore, all teams are squeezed. So, therefore, you can't pay players as much as you would have expected to. So, I think in terms of as a sport, it's very hard to see the, the, the winners coming out of this. So the cap is going up next year by a million dollars. million dollars. What is Who, everybody going to do with that? I was like, who's going to be the winners out of that? Because the people were mentioning about the big contract years for people and who was going to win for that. I, don't, I mean, we should mention, whilst we kind of referenced the AHL, so um, Dobbin, we, this is where we need Matt, the Dallas fan. Oh, Hudobin. Hudobin, yeah. yeah. Do, sorry, Dobby. Um, you know, I mean, here, this message, like, from um, one of, um, well, he's a reporter, um, Jeff Ponder, has put, so crazy how quickly a good player can fall. Uh, Dobby was the feel-good story of the bubble, helping his team to the final after Ben Bishop went down. That was just over a year ago. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> Dobby cleared waivers. His team put him on waivers, um, and he cleared and this in this is in what the same week, two weeks that Ben Bishop, you know, a Dallas Stars legend, announced his retirement. I mean, what? well, NHL legend. I mean, he's played for a, a, a couple of teams over his career, and and yeah, one of those um, really sad story, really, that a player who who did look at one point like he was going to be coming back. I remember there was, you know, there was talk of him training and all this kind of stuff, and and to to get to a point where he doesn't get to play another game is is a really sad way of ending a, a very kind of very impressive career in the NHL but on Hudobin I mean goalies are just weird like uh, I've given up trying to predict goaltenders in the NHL look at Matt Murray in Ottawa like yeah. two-time Stanley Cup winning goaltender and the Ottawa Senators would give him away if they could Marc-Andre Fleury in Vegas Vesna winning goaltender one year that off-season traded for nobody remembers. Like, it just absolutely bizarre. Jack Campbell, first-round pick, all of this kind of 
you know, all of the stuff early on in his career where he thought he was going to be good, basically did nothing for ages. Could not get an NHL backup job, let alone a starting job. Turns it around in LA, becomes a starter in Toronto, and is now one of the best goaltenders in the league. Anton Hudobin, another one exactly as you explained, you know, carried his team to the Stanley Cup final and now is on waivers and has lost his job to Braden Holtby, who, by the way, last year was a bum. Like how <laughs> just it doesn't make sense. Goaltending in the NHL is voodoo. Like it is just voodoo. Like, yeah, I, I've given up trying to understand or try to in any way work out. My goaltending in my fantasy hockey team is essentially just scattergun effect. Have loads of them because some of them have got to be good some of the time. Like it, it, it's 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 such a weird position. I think uh, Matt made the point on the last episode. I think about how goalies often are in the firing line yeah, when things go literally. wrong. You know, which it, it, they they are the face, the name mm. to it, because actually a lot of times it can be that the D isn't doing their job properly. Oh, yeah. And no. they're hung out to dry. I think No better example. Exactly. Yes. No better example than anyone who watched the Blackhawks versus the Leafs over the weekend. Peter Mrazek comes back and, OK, he gives up four goals and some of them weren't great. And you can look at that on paper and go, oof, he had a rough game. Look at what his defence did to him. Like his D left him out to dry, as you said, like they exposed him and put him in a position to fail. Now, of course, sometimes goaltenders are able to get themselves out of that and then they're heroes, but other times they're not. And yet that's not necessarily their fault. Like they do enough and then the team doesn't do enough to back them. That's why it's always really rare that for a coach to go after a goaltender, like even if a goaltender gives up one or two bad ones, it's quite rare for a coach to point it out. And I think they know that essentially a goal is very rarely purely the goaltender's fault. And yet that is what we focus on because obviously they're the ones. It's the same in any sport in that position because every single mistake that a goaltender makes is a goal. Whereas other players can make mistakes and then be backed, you know, can be protected by their goaltender, for example. And it's just such a strange position. And that's why, you know, giving a goaltender a huge contract is just dangerous. Like, look at Bobrovsky. Like, I haven't actually been following how many games he's been playing in Florida. But Who I'm is guessing... he with these days? Oh, he's with Florida. Uh, Florida, yeah. Like, he was with Florida. Last year, he was their backup. Earning $10 million a year, he was their backup. This season, Florida, playing great. I'm assuming he is their starter, because he was earlier on in the year. And he's playing and playing really well again. Like, it is just so strange. The only one is Vasilevsky. I swear, the only goaltender who is just always good all the time is Andre Vasilevsky. And that's why he's just the greatest goaltender ever. Like, he oh. just, he is just too good all the time. No goaltender's that good. No. Hey, he just is. before we um, move off of uh, the Olympics thing, yeah. obviously, um, I don't even know how you say his name. You know when you kind of learn to read NHL uh, yeah, news, yeah, yeah. but you don't Go know on. how to say it? Bill Guerin. Bill Guerin. Oh, I was Bill so Guerin. close. No, that, is, that is close. Yeah, I knew right. instantly who you meant that, player. so that's good. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, good, good. Run a winner. So this is why I'm not a commentator for ice hockey. Oh, um, so Minnesota Wild GM was named 
uh, GM and president of Hockey Ops. Uh, no, Olympic men's hockey team um, general manager. For the USA. Uh, for the US, yes. And I thought... That could, uh, that could be a very easy job if things get badly soon. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, Nothing oh. to do. Carry on, guys. Nice white lasted. I mean, it, I think that's an interesting one, isn't it? So he was picked to be assistant GM by Stan Bowman, who only weeks ago had to resign from his post of GM yeah. of this team because of what was going on at Chicago Blackhawks uh, with the Carl Beach um, story. Um, listen to a former episode if you want to learn about that. Um, but on to, so, uh, so, you know, this Bill guy gets selected by Stan Bowman. So he's kind of already not tainted, but there's... He's obviously friendly with Stan, which is, can be controversial. They're all itself. friends with each other. They're all exactly. All group. But then it gets more complicated because when this bill was at um, Pittsburgh Penguins around that time, about three years ago, there is currently a lawsuit happening at the moment where um, an AHL assistant coach has filed a lawsuit against the Penguins, saying that um, other coaches had sexually assaulted his wife. And it turns out that this Bill Guerin guy said to someone, oh, don't, don't, uh, when he knew about it, he told them to keep quiet. So there's all controversial stuff going on there and a lawsuit. Why would you put this guy at the top of the US hockey team? You, if it's that prestigious, I, I, I don't know. I just thought, surely you go with someone a bit cleaner. But hey, that's hockey. It is just bizarre, some of the decision-making at that level. I'm sure he's um, a lovely man, and it's... Allegedly, well, he might not be. I mean, who knows? But, you like, know... To balance that, who knows? He might not be. Like, it, it's at that level of I the find league, it strange, yeah. Yeah, it is really weird. Let's let's talk about a good story, which okay. is Vancouver. Because, I mean, as a, as a Leafs fan, I don't like to see the Canucks do well. However, I can't help but be impressed by um, the effect, the... Bruce Boudreaux effect, as it's being known, and mm. this was a this was a hockey team who were awful, like and shouldn't have been awful. Like they should have been a team who were turning things around and were on the up. They'd signed Elias Pettersson. They'd signed Quinn Hughes. They had a new goaltender in Thatcher Demko who was absolutely smashing it. And they had a core of pretty decent, kind of not young players, but kind of not old players either, the likes of Besser um, and Bo Horvat and players like that. Like they had good teams on good contracts. Uh, sorry, good players on good contracts. Then they had this bunch of old guys who were on terrible contracts, but were pretty much all expiring this year. And for some reason, they go out and trade all of those contracts away in their final year and bring in um, Oliver Ekman-Larsen. They also bring in Conor Garland, who has been great for them um, by all accounts. However, OEL comes in. He's his big defenseman, big name. Supposedly Vancouver have wanted him for years, and he's on a huge contract for many, 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 many years, and he's all right. He's fine. Like, he doesn't do anything special, and he's just okay. And then the team start losing, and they keep losing, and they keep losing, and they look awful. And suddenly, as we kind of mentioned in the previous episode, they clean house. They get rid of their longtime GM and they also get rid of their coach, Travis Green, who, by the way, had only just signed an extension this season. And so 
Jim Benning, the GM, and Travis Green go. Others go as well. And then they bring in Bruce Boudreaux to coach the team on about an 18-month contract. So this season and next season. And talk about sport being all in the mind. Because suddenly this team, who could not win a hockey game, are now, as far as I'm aware, they're still unbeaten. They were 4-0. I don't know if they are still unbeaten. They might have lost a game by now. But they were 4-0 under Bruce Boudreaux. Same bunch of players, and they are just playing with a freedom and a fun that has carried them to multiple victories. And in they a division four and zero still, 4-0. yes. Mm. So in a division like the Pacific, that is going to get you into the playoffs. Like they have got a long way to go, but they they are going to get into the playoffs if they carry on playing at that level quite easily. And I just the video that encapsulated it. <laughs> so you go from one week where there's a Vancouver Canucks fan who hates the team so much that he throws his jersey over the glass onto the ice as a protest at how bad things are. And in a week later, you've got the entire stadium singing, Bruce, there it is. Bruce, there it is. Like He doesn't like it though, does he? I heard why, this. Why does he not like that? It's the he best chance He doesn't like the song. <laughs> Sporting chants are terrible generally and they're boring. This is brilliant. Like, and it's so good. And to see a whole stadium bouncing around to that, watching their team go on a 4-0 run after the misery that they have had is just incredible. It's such a good story. And who knows? Like, they could they could go on a run here and I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the playoffs. Right. I mean, they are currently six points out of um, a playoff uh, spot, either wild card or... Um, third in the Pacific and and we already know that Edmonton which sit third in the Pacific as we record this podcast are on a losing streak of five so you know Anaheim the top of the Pacific I mean I know they've been a surprise uh, surprisingly good story this year but that could drop um Calgary are always good for a um for a disappointing run (laughs) like Yeah. yeah they they could they could easily make if not the top three most likely the wild card and just what like what a story like if that, what a turnaround! Yeah, for a I team think, that was just down and out. As as we know, like, I mean, over in the West Central is is a super competitive league. Yeah. I mean, even from top to top place in the Central to like second wildcard spot, you're talking seven points. You know, and that's why I know people are kind of going over and over about the Olympics, about Taxi Squad, about you know, COVID postponements because there is so little in it at the moment. And I know we're December, we're a couple of months into the season, but, you know, it's um, it's tight. Yeah, oh, it is. And we're about a third of the way through the season. Um, and you look at some teams down there, if you look in the wild, at the moment, the wild card in the West is the Avalanche and the Golden Knights. So <laughs> I can't imagine that's going to be the case by the end of the season. So you'd imagine that they're both going to progress out of that, which is going to push other teams into it. So, I mean, Nashville, who had them up there? St. Louis, another one who who knew what they were going to be at the start of the season. Anaheim, only behind Minnesota in the entire Western Conference. I mean, there are some real surprises in there. Winnipeg probably are a little bit behind where they'd want to be. Dallas certainly are behind where they want to be. San Jose are probably a little bit above where they want to be. And then we didn't know what the Kraken would be and Chicago have been awful. And 
now Vancouver resurging up the league. But those are good stories. Like that is what Philadelphia. makes Philadelphia. Philadelphia, I've got oh, a, yeah, couple, a couple of um, wins in there in the can too. Uh, in their last two games, um, they they're only six points out of a playoff spot as well. And obviously, they had a, a, a bit of a clear out, a really expensive coach firing. Another one. Um, but I always look at those playoff runs, and you always look at because I always think six points. Okay, six points isn't much in terms of, you know, that's three games you've got to win over another team, over however many games left in the season. That's not much. And that any team can overcome that. But always what I look at when I think of whether a team can do it is look at the teams that are above them and look at the teams and work out whether those teams are likely to drop those points. And where I have less confidence for a team like Philly over a team like Vancouver is I can't identify in the East those teams who are going to drop that number of points. Because essentially, if you look in the Eastern Conference, you've got Florida, who are one of the best teams in the NHL. You've got Toronto, who might be, depends what night of the week it is, but they could also be one of the better teams. You've got Tampa, you've got Washington, you've got Carolina, you've got New York Rangers, you've got Pittsburgh, and you've got Boston. Ironically, probably the weakest of all of them at the moment is Boston. Brad Marchand, just gone on COVID protocol, a team that is struggling at the moment. And so really looking at that group of teams, I only think there's one team that might drop out of that and that's Boston. And I wouldn't really want to put money on that because it's the Bruins and they know how to win and they know how to get into the playoffs. So suddenly when I look at a team like Philadelphia and we say, okay, so they're only six points off a wild card. Yes, but are there any teams that look like they're going to drop out of that? Plus, there's also the Devils, who knows, a bit of an up-and-coming team, Detroit, a surprising team, and the Blue Jackets, who are all above them in the standings at this stage. I just don't think there's enough spaces in the East for them to get into. Whereas I look in the West at Vancouver, and okay, similar amount of points to get into the wild card. And you look at the are some teams in there who you think, yeah, I can see them dropping out of the race far more than any in the East at the moment. The East is stacked. I mean, Toronto, the joke is that Toronto could be one of the best teams in the NHL. They could go out in the first round again this year because they could play the Florida Panthers or the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, both of those teams are as good. Like it is going to... The thing is, it's the 14th of December, okay, as we are recording this podcast, yeah? (laughs) And so I just had to go and, as you were talking there, just go and check because do you remember... Three years ago, nope. St. Louis Blues were at the bottom <laughs> of the league. They were tanking, man. They, they were. were at the bottom, bottom. They couldn't they go any lower. They were worse than Buffalo. They were worse than Detroit. You know, they yeah. were tanking. They were probably well. They worse. weren't. That was the problem. Well, Buffalo then, were tanking. Detroit <laughs> were tanking. St. Louis weren't, and yet they were. The uh, so the thing is. It went from the 1st of January to 40 days later. Yeah. They went from the bottom of the standings to in the first uh, wildcard spot. And they were two points below Dallas for the third in the central division. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, it wasn't even till January the 7th in 2019. So just a few days, a few weeks later, Jordan Binnington made his debut as a goaltender. <laughs> And what a difference he went on to not only did they go and get that first wildcard spot, 
but they went on and they won the Stanley Cup. That's what I find madness about this sport, that we are here doing the if, buts and maybes and looking at the teams around the middle, but you just never know. And, you know, you were saying on the last episode about Montreal Canadiens, just like coming out as the underdog from nowhere. Nashville did it years ago. They got in on the last, they were the last team in and then went on a run to the Stanley Cup final. Oh, it can definitely happen. I just think at this stage in the season, when you look at those divisions and you look at teams who are trying to push their way up from um, from bad starts like Vancouver and like Philadelphia, who've both made coaching changes, etc., I can see the path where Vancouver can make it into the wildcard spot. I just think in the East, it is so much more of a battle for, for any team to break into that top group because of the because it just so happens that that, that division is a lot stronger this year. Um, you know, and I, the, I, the reason I say that as well is that Mike Yao, is that how Mike you say Yo. his name? Yeah. Yo is currently interim head coach at Philadelphia Flyers. But wasn't he the man yeah, that I was said just gonna say Blues dropped and then yep. they went on their winning streak? So yep. this is what we mean about hockey, right? When you start following us a while, you're like, hang on a sec, I've heard of his name. Where yep. did I hear of him from? He was the one who was sacked. So it is it's all the same name. He was the he was the coach at St. Louis who, when asked in a press conference, like I can't remember what the question was, but he essentially said yes, he would sack himself. Like it was it was one of those crazy quotes where the coach <laughs> coach basically offered up his re- resignation, and the following week, well, funnily enough, he was fired. And uh, yeah, odd so, one that one in Philadelphia. Philadelphia Flyers have an awful start to this season. And they sack their really expensive coach and they push up as an interim head coach. Interim, we stress the word interim. The guy who said that only a few years ago he was so bad he would sack himself. Nice one, Flyers. I'm glad it's working out, though. Yeah. Flyers are are such an odd team, the Flyers, because they've got some real good players like Carter Hart and some real, real good players. But then sometimes you watch them and you're like, what are they? Like they are just <laughs> awful. And yeah, there's some real, there's some, there are some teams around who you look at and you just don't get why they are where they are. And you've got your Arizonas who you can see exactly why they are where they are. But yeah, there are some teams like Philadelphia, you just think you should be better than this. <sighs> well, you know what? I think uh, that probably about rounds it up for uh, plenty of rants for this episode. I mean, just uh, breaking news as we record this, that uh, Frank uh, Cerevalli, um, mm. well-known reporter for the NHL, uh, is saying he's waiting on confirmation uh, that there could be potential positive players for Nashville Predators. Um, so there's another team that we kind of add to that list that we said earlier on. So, and brilliant how, guess who the Leafs are playing at the weekend, Jolon? Well, I do know this actually, because they're playing the Vancouver Canucks. Great. great. Could we have not uh, done that a few weeks ago? (laughs) I know. I know. My, um, (laughs) my uncle who is a Canucks fan is, uh, coming down for the weekend and, uh, cause Derby, my football team and his football team are playing Cardiff, which is where I live. So we're, uh, we're going to the away game and, uh, as Derby fans. And then it just so happened when we checked the schedule that the Leafs were playing the Canucks, which was great. So our Sunday morning oh. routine is going to be, uh, it's going to be both of us watching, uh, watching that with a stack of, uh, pancakes and, uh, watching that oh. game. So I was maple very, syrup, right? Oh, yeah, maple, yeah, syrup. maple syrup and bacon. Don't Good. worry. Um, 
I've got a Canadian passport. I mean, of course, it's going to be maple syrup and bacon. Anything else is sacrilege. Um, but yeah, my my confidence in that game was quite high until obviously this week, where I thought, oh, now it could be difficult. Although, yeah. is there any game that the Maple Leafs love to lose more than against a team who are terrible? Actually, the fact that Vancouver are good might be a good thing. Who knows? Look oh. at the Chicago game. Terrible team. We make them look like Stanley Cup contenders. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's watch this space and we'll have to all keep an eye out for what's happening with the Olympics, whether more players speak out and say, nope, I've decided for the sake of my mental health and my family, I'm not going to do it. Um, just you know, one more, just sorry, just one more thing before, um, before we go. Did you see, because we mentioned it right at the beginning, did you see that goal? the one um, the Ducks scored. No, tell me about it. Right, go and, go and search for it now because you need to see it to believe it. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think where you would find it or how you would search it. Uh, it's brilliant podcasting. It is very good. It's, it's very well pre-produced content, this. Yep. Um, but if you can try and find it, any particular game was it against vegas <laughs> i mean just any game any game i've um, seen all highlights here any particular no, 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 person who scored this hang. goal yeah but i can't remember his name can i oh I can you not tweet his... us and then we can all watch it john tortorella Twitter. search the john tortorella thing because that was the um that was where the whole kind of comments came from tortorella. Um, and the thing, the thing about this goal was, if I try to describe it to you, I'm not sure I'd be able to, but essentially this player on the Anaheim Ducks is behind the net and he managed to scoop the puck up on his stick and flick it over the net to his teammate who was in front of the net, who was then able to hit it midair into the goal. I just don't understand how it's even possible. Um, and as a set play, it was something that was out of this mind. Because as a goaltender, when the puck's behind the net, you kind of feel pretty safe as long as you've got both your posts covered and they're not going to try and do a sneaky wraparound. You're, you feel pretty confident. What you don't expect is the puck to come over your shoulder I've just watched it. I'm going to tweet it right now. Yeah. I'm at NHL fans from afar. Is it, it Zegras? Was it Zegras? I think it was Sonny Milano. Yeah, Sonny uh, Milano. That in, was an, it. in an unreal goal after Trevor Zegras flips yeah, puck to right. him. Basically, you need to skip in about 40 seconds and just yeah. watch the slow-mo. Because yeah, yeah, the yeah. guy, <laughs> you can't see it when it's fast, no. but when you slow it down, the guy is teasing. It's like feeding a, feeding a baby its favourite food and then taking it away last <laughs> minute and then doing the little aeroplane and then taking it away. The poor goalie has no idea because it's no all chance. happening behind him. But I also remember that you have got to be so skillful that you hit that puck in the air below the crossbar. Because if you, if you hit the puck higher than the crossbar, that's disallowed that goal because you're not allowed to high stick the puck into the net. So it has to be below the crossbar. And they supposedly he called for that, like he called for him to do it, and he said he was going to do it. And so that go and watch that play. So Claire's just tweeted it from our account at NHL fans from afar, and go and watch that. And if your if your emotion is anything other than oh my god, isn't that incredible? Then you are part of the vast majority. If you look at that and go, 
well, that is just not hockey, then you are part of the John Tortorella Club. And the John Tortorella Club is a, he, as we said right at the beginning, he was a former coach who currently, uh, well, last worked for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And he was on one of these panels and they were looking at it and they were talking about it. He essentially came out and just said he didn't think it was good for the game. Like, that's not hockey. And he said, if you did that, if you did that back in the late 90s, you'd have had your head taken off, which may well be true, but it is not the late 90s. It's 2021. And that clip has been shared more than any player just kind of running through some guy. And I just think, my God, if that is the direction hockey is going in, if we can get into a position where that could happen in a game. Remember Svechnikov in in Carolina with his, uh, where he kind of like, scores by hooking the like puck into his stick like midair and then whacking it in like just incredible the skill of these guys and we get lost sometimes just talking about contracts and cbas and olympics and all of this kind of stuff but it's nice to spend just two minutes appreciating what an incredible sport an incredible skillful sport this can be and that zegris kind of pass oh that is fun I mean, you know what? It reminds me. Was it um, the guy who plays for Wales, Gareth Bale, who did like yeah. a, a back kick or something to score a goal? Yeah. Was, was Every it now and again, yeah, something happens where you're like, that shouldn't happen. Physics shouldn't allow that. And oh man, yeah, anyway. go, go and search it at NHL fans from afar. Go and watch it. And, uh, we will yeah. because I haven't even put my laptop in. It's about to die. We're going to have to end this podcast, and it's not the end of the world though. We will be back. Uh, possibly, uh, I, I don't think it'll be two weeks because let's face it, it's Christmas. It's Christmas, isn't it? Have January. Christmas. New Year. Have a great New Year. We'll find out what the hell is going to happen with the NHL in, in uh, January. Ta-ta for now. <laughs> <laughs>